It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. Where does God dwell? That is, those who dwell in heaven. Verse 7, also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose names has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Verse 11, And then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like the dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even fire coming down from heaven to the earth in front of the people. And by the signs that are allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the number of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man, and his number is 666. Lord, again, I don't want to scare people because... We shouldn't be afraid unless we should be. (laughs) But perfect love casts out fear. When we recognize who we are in you, there's perfect security. It's only when we're outside of you that we have legitimate concern. I pray, God, that you would reach the hearts of these men and women, and you bring healing to their hearts. We're not here to hurt or to condemn, expose or to trash anyone. God, we're here to glorify your name and to set the hearts of your saints at ease in a world that's happening, whether we want it to or not. And God, I pray that as we navigate, hopefully clearly, the complexity in this passage, the sum effect was that be that we are honoring you and we're not a fearful people. So we pray for this grace. All glory would be yours. You would bind the work of the enemy of our soul. Cast him out in the name of Jesus and put the blood of Christ upon the doorposts and the lentils of this house. Let your name be glorified and you would silence every thought and imagination that is against you. We pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we can see in the slide here that the second study that we're going to engage in on the, the, the world of Revelation chapter 13 is considering the global economic integration. I think our world exists in a state of exceptional vulnerability. I think you'd agree. Yet I think it's important to acknowledge that every experience that we've ever had has always and ever only been a manifestation of the grace of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that God reigns upon the just and the unjust. That's a way of God saying he puts his blessing upon all groups of people. 
In Matthew 5.45, so it says, So that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is the one who has every good thing has come from his hand. And therefore, we have to begin to keep these in perspective, at least from a biblical standpoint and a worldview. I think the key to avoiding the conditions described in this passage is, or at least not being affected by them, as they're increasing upon the earth. By the way, when the church is gone, the restrainer is gone. So this thing cannot fully manifest itself until the church is gone. But nonetheless, the spirit is at work in the sons of disobedience. The spirit that is going to drive these conditions in Revelation 13 is already at play. But for the Christian, in the meantime, he has to remember in Psalm 91 that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Look what it says in verse 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. (coughs) He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night. I was just reading an article about Lady Gaga about how she has these tears at night because these demons are trying to take her and rip her apart and all these types of things. And in Christ, he says, you will not fear the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall by your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Why? Because my mind is stayed on him. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. And so as we begin to navigate this, we have to remember this. You have to take these words by faith. It's like Noah in the ark when he reaches out his hands and the dove was there. The dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's like he's reaching out deliberate. You have to be deliberate in your reaching for the Spirit of God. And he reached out. He grabbed it. It came to him. It was God's grace. And so we have to be deliberate. Godliness takes intentionality. But what we see is the conditions that are existing upon the earth, and we've already, I'm not going to go into the review that I had for the last two Sundays on these conditions. In fact, I actually said seven conditions in my slide last week. I noticed it this week. There's not seven conditions. There's, everyone's here was saying, where's the seventh one? There isn't another one. It was just six. It was a wrong slide because I'm a human. <laughs> but the conditions that are existing upon the earth is, number one, a centralized global government. We talked about that in some detail only touching the tip of the iceberg last week. The second condition, as we're going to look at this morning, is the global economic integration. A third condition that's assumed to take place in Revelation chapter 13 in order for these events to take place upon the earth is thirdly, a technological advancement, which we'll talk about next time. Fourthly, a universal lust of power. Number five, a decline in moral values. And number six, a spiritual deception. And as I said last week, We talked about the global governance with a global economy controlled by a few dominant players resulting in immense power and influence over the people's lives that they govern. And this global government that we're going to see arise on the scene would, as we saw, potentially lead widespread poverty, inequality, and suffering. So as opposed to giving the bliss that they promise, remember the pictures I showed you? You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Wow, I never knew that. You'll own everything, but not me. Oh, I'm so happy. Though they promise a bliss, which communism always does, it brings ruin and harm in the history of mankind. 
That's communism. It's socialism. You know, they, I saw a book on Amazon, and it said, uh, it, the title of the book was Everything You Need to Know About Socialism. And as you open it up on every single page, it's like 150 pages, on every, everything that works with socialism, every single page it says, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Every single page says, it doesn't work. <laughs> but that's the reality. That's the reality of the world that we're living in. Additionally, this, this level of economic concentration that would come as a result of this one world government, it would lead to a loss of sovereignty for individuals and nations. You see, it wouldn't just affect the sovereignty of nations, but the sovereignty of the people in those nations. You don't strip away national sovereignty and then gain individual liberties. Let's think this through. It's nonsense. But as the countries lose their independence, the people lose their independence with them. And moreover, this interdependence of the global economy, it would make the world vulnerable to economic shocks. So if something happening in one part of the world would affect it all, it's somewhat insulated today because of the divergent economies. But it would potentially exacerbate the power dynamics in the world and effectively, as opposed to dispersing wealth, it would create a concentration of wealth in the hands of a few ruling elites. We saw this in 2020. The COVID-19 illegal lockdowns deliberately concentrated wealth and power in the hands of a few people, making it illegal for smaller businesses to compete. But as opposed to this global concentration of power in the hands of a few strengthening the condition of mankind, it actually contributes to the weakening and the enslavement of mankind. Well, that was last week, and we, you can reference that if you'd like, but this week we'll talk about the economic aspects, namely the global economic integration. And actually what underpins the new world order, if that's what we're gonna call it, or a one world government, the new world order has always been pinned on the financial system. You, have to have one, you can't have one without the other, they're integrated. So what does this passage say about the global economic integration? Again, the passage assumes its existence. And again, when I hear people say, well, talk about biblical things. The Bible doesn't talk about these things that you're talking about. I don't mean to be insulting, but you're talking from vast ignorance. And you're more of a product of, of a religious system that has been devoid of biblical doctrine. The reality is the Bible is replete in this, but I find it necessary because of that argument that I actually have to show, not for you guys, it's for people in other states. They're evil people, but not for you. Uh, but in Revel I want to show you in the passages where it actually suggests the economic integration. Number one, in Revelation 13, verse 6, it mentions a mark on the right hand or the forehead that is required for buying or selling. And what this does is suggest a highly centralized and economic system that would require a uniform method of tracking and verifying information financial transactions across the borders. Number two, in chapter 13, verse 17, it says that no one will be able to buy or sell without this mark. And what that does is imply a level of economic control and regulations that would be difficult to achieve without a high degree of global cooperation and coordination. Number three, let's think this through, folks. You guys know this, but for those people in other states. <laughs> Number three, in verse three, it describes a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns, which represents a coalition of 10 kings or rulers in the last days. And this is a reference to a powerful and centralized governmental or economic system that's able to exert significant influence and control over trade and commerce. 
It was Dr. Pippa Malmgren at the World Government Summit in 2022, you can see the video online, where she said something I think rather telling and frightening because as I read this to you, she said these things with excitement as though it was a good thing. She wholly believes in this. But coming from a bit more pessimistic mind frame, listen to what she said. She said, what we're seeing in the world today is that we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we are about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. And then she said, it also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. Duh. <laughs> and she said, and in my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights. By the way, they haven't implemented that yet, nor have they taken a single vote. It is illegal, by the way, getting ahead of myself. The Constitution says the US government will print their own money. It is illegal what they're doing. That's an, another discussion. But she said, we need to, a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money, because she recognizes the dangers in it. But also, this new money, she says, will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers first introducing the digital currency. The Chinese were first. This is 2022. The Chinese were first. The US is on the brink, moving in the same direction, and the Europeans have committed to that as well. Number four, in verse 12, it describes another beast that is exercising all authority of the first beast and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. And this could be seen as a reference to a global economic system or power structure that's able to dominate and control the economies and the financial systems of all the nations. <clears throat> Number five, these kings are also spoken about in Revelation 17, verses 12 to 13. <clears throat> I'm just trying to prove to you this is, I'm not getting off of the text of scripture here. <laughs> But there in Revelation 17, there's 10 kings that are described as giving their power and authority to the Antichrist system, which indicates that there is a level of political and economic cooperation among these nations. Number six, in Revelation 17, verse 18, it talks about a great city. And there's a woman on the beast is identified as, quote, that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And likewise, this suggests that the city is a global economic and political center of power that dominates the world in the last days. Okay? Number seven. In Revelation 18, verse three, it says that all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And this, of course, suggests a global economic system that has led to corruption and exploitation of nations and their leaders through this woman. 
You know, we'll pay you $100,000 a month, but you're on our hook. Matter of fact, we'll pay your son $100,000 a month. I mean, something like that, you know, I'm just throwing out a random example, of course. Number eight, in Revelation 18, verses 11 to 13, a list of luxury goods is given, including gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every article of ivory, every article made from costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and even, notice the end there, even the souls of men. What is the main commodity? Men are selling their souls to this system. Amazing. And nonetheless, this indicates a global trade network that spans continents and involves the exchange of high-value goods. Number nine, Revelation 18.15 speaks about the merchants of these things which were made rich by her. And this suggests the existence of wealthy global corporations and individuals who profit from this economic system. And last, number 10, in Revelation 18, verses 17 to 19, it said that every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. And what this does is suggest that the global economy is heavily reliant upon maritime trade and transportation. Now, if I was to go through those points that, as I just listed, 1 through 10, do we see anything in the world today that would suggest that this is actually taking place? Well, I think so. Number one, in regard to the mark received, required to buy or sell, considering the use of digital currencies and electronic payment systems, such as Bitcoin and PayPal, just as an example, which allow for the uniform method of tracking and verifying financial transactions across the border. Number one. Number two, no one can buy or sell without the mark. Consider how international economies sanctions are placed upon others and trade agreements that restrict certain countries from access to the global markets today. But what this does is it demonstrates a level of economic control and regulation that already is here. This already takes place in Revelation 13, and it says it's going to happen worldwide eventually. Number three, the beast rising out of the sea with ten horns, representing a powerful global and economic system. And I think we need to consider the formation of economic and political alliances such as the European Union, uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and most recently, BRICS, headed by China and Russia. Uh, BRICS is, what is it, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, BRICS. And they're consolidating together, buying up all the world's gold, saying we're going to give you a real currency backed in gold, and they're trying to devalue the dollar at the same time. Which people have speculated that if what they're after is accomplished, you would see the Weimar Republic over again, overnight. And if Saudi Arabia joins in and says, we're no longer going to trade the oil with the petrodollar, the US dollar, but rather the Chinese yuan, then the speculation is very tragic things are going to happen. Now, I don't agree with that. I'm just telling you what people are saying. Hopefully, I'll give you a little bit of hope and a different perspective. But all these represent powerful and centralized global entities that exert significant influence and control over trade and commerce. But note, power is becoming more and more concentrated. Note that. 
Number four, another beast exercises authority over all the nation's economies and financial systems. Well, consider the dominance of multinational corporations such as Amazon. They have the ability to control the economies and financial systems of multiple countries. And the consolidation of power will grow until the day appears. This is what the passage is revealing. Number five, ten kings are given power, get, or give their power to the Antichrist system, indicating political and economic cooperation. Today, the cooperation among the nations um, is organized under things such, such as the United Nations, the World Trade Organization, and they're likely to actively be working toward together the shared economic agenda. The World Economic Forum, headed by Klaus Schwab, probably heading the agenda. Number six, Revelation shows us that there's a great city that dominates the world as a global economic and political power and center for power. Today, again, we have the global influence and the dominance in just a few financial centers, like London, New York, and Dubai. Which, interesting, the Arch of Palmyra was taken specifically to those three places. There's a whole thing in that, by the way. The portal to the other dimension is a very demonic type of celebration at those particular places. Interesting. But nonetheless. But these three places, you find that these... These, uh, these significant economies and political power, those three places have control over the entire world, essentially. Three cities to rule them all. <laughs> but number seven, all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, chapter 17 says. So global economic systems lead to corruption and exploitation of nations and their leaders, Today, for instance, the exploitation of developing countries by multinational corporations and wealthy individuals often resulting in corruption and political instability. You think about the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's got an abundance of natural resources like cobalt, copper, diamonds, gems of all sorts. But the problem is that many foreign companies are the ones controlling most of the mining operations that are going there. They're often exploiting their workers and causing serious damage in the process. And all this has led to political unrest and conflict in the region. In the last days, the Bible says, all the nations will be drunk with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Number eight, the global trade in luxury goods such as diamonds, fine textiles, high-end electronics. Number nine, Revelation 18, verse 15, speaks of the merchants of these things which were made rich by her. Consider the existence of wealthy individuals and corporations, people like Jeff Bezos. Apple, who have accumulated vast amounts of wealth, unlike any other time in our history of the world. Never in history has mankind had the kind of wealth that has been accumulated by a few individuals like has happened today. It's never happened. And number 10, Revelation 18 shows us that the global economy relies heavily on maritime trade, as you can see the trade routes in the picture, and transportation. And today, the reliance of global trade and commerce on maritime shipping and transportation is evidence of the importance of ports and shipping routes in the international trade. So let's look at the global economic integration kind of broadly. First of all, we want to define it. What is the definition? You can see on the screen, the global economic integration refers to the process of economic interdependence among countries that 
occurs as a result of the increase of cross-border trade, investments, and other forms of economic activities. It's become increasingly prevalent in recent years due to the growth of multinational corporations, advancements in transportations and communications, technologies, and the liberalization of trade policies. Number two, look at the dominant players. Again on the screen, as global economic integration intensifies, a few dominant players are emerging and controlling a disproportionate amount of the world's resources. And this, of course, leads to vulnerability and manipulation of the smaller players. Number three, loss of sovereignty. The concentration of power in the hands of a few dominant players is leading to the loss of sovereignty for individuals and nations. For instance, George Soros is rumored to have helped collapse a whole series of nations by manipulating the currency in developing countries to cause economic crisis, which allows him to then profit from short-selling the currency and the investments. <laughs> clever, huh? Countries like Thailand, Malaysia, and Indonesia, it's a, these guys aren't clever. That's the wrong word. They're cunning. There's a difference. But Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia are a few of the countries that he, he is rumored to have been heavily involved. I mean, the proof is there that he made the trades, for sure. But Soros is also accused of funding political and social organizations that promote instability to overthrow governments, which lead to economic collapse. He has been rumored to say that he is deliberately trying to do this with the United States. I would love to see a quotation on that, but that's been the rumor. We know if the internet says it, it's always true, right? I'm joking. <laughs> but nonetheless, George Soros is placing heavily invested, in, he's heavily invested in placing political figures throughout the United States. The DAs going after Trump are Soros-funded politicians. In fact, the one that's in Georgia now is a Soros-funded politician. Interesting. But all in all, this global economic integration Countries are going to be forced down a path that benefits these powerful players at the expense of the citizens of those countries, while individuals may be subjected to the whims of large corporations that dominate the very few industries. Number four, economic shock. Global economic integration means that economic shocks in one region could easily affect the others. You guys remember back to uh, 2008, thanks to Barney Frank. Boy, that guy's up. frankly disgusting. In 2008, global financial crisis, which began with the collapse of the US housing market. I would love to take the time to explain to you what he did. It was so dishonest, but nonetheless, he's a con man. But in 2008, this global crisis that some of you remember, the collapsing of all these blank banks and financial institutions all around the world, not just in the United States, all around the world. Because they required, I'll just tell you, they required banks to lend money to people who could not afford the, the houses that they were getting and putting them deliberately in a, a vulnerable position so that there would be a collapse by which you have a crisis, by which you can implement, you create the problem, then you solve the problem. Thanks a lot. Frank Dodd. <laughs> that was a great one, wasn't it? Anyway, this was all th this interconnectedness of the financial systems, though, meant that one crisis here in the United States went through the world, rippling effect. Number five, the in economic inequality. One of the major consequences of global economic integration is the widening gap between the rich and the poor. 
And while some individuals and countries may benefit greatly from increased trade and investments, others are going to be left behind and exploited. That's happening today, as I said, in Congo. But this can also lead to economic inequality within and between countries, which can have far-reaching social and political implications, just so we can have a one-world economy. The promises that will bring stability, it will do the exact opposite. The only, it's not stability, it's, it's um, everyone will be the same in the same miserable way. Number six, the cultural impact. I think finally the global economic integration can have significant cultural impacts as the government of the people and the ideas across borders can lead to the homogenization of cultures and the loss of cultural diversity. And this can have, I think, a profound implications for the way we see ourselves and the world around us. Uh, diversity is good and it can contribute to the erosion of the values of people. The Bible teaches a one-world religion. Now, when they're promoting this one-world order and they're selling this on fairness and equality, I think you need to remember last week what they said. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. By the way, just because you don't own anything doesn't mean they won't. What they're saying is you will own nothing because we'll own it all. We'll buy up all the farmland. You'll merely be renting from us whatever it is that you have. And up front, some young kid says, you're going to pay me 3500 bucks a month to do nothing? I'm in. It's like a terrible loan shark. Up front, it's like, man, I got a bunch of money. But on the back end, you are done. You're a slave for life once you commit to that agreement. You're a slave for life. They're lying to you. They are lying to you. Another name for this, by the way, is communism or socialism. Socialism is the economic part. Communism is the political part. You know, we're socialists. No, we're communists. Socialism doesn't lift the poor. Socialism only weakens the rich. And that says, yeah, that's right. Well, here's the weird thing. When the power players in this move for socialism are the wealthy elites, <laughs> they're not planning on giving their wealth to you. <laughs> this power play is to make everyone else poor. You'll own nothing, and you'll be happy. And if you're not, you better pretend, because we're going to put you in jail. <laughs> or not let you buy meat. Go to the grocery store with a digital ID. You'll say, I want to buy steak tonight. You'll go up there and say, nope, you don't have enough social credits. You've been a bad boy, and therefore, we're going to uh, kind of take that opportunity away. I was listening to a video last night of Jim Carrey, who seems to have gone through kind of a transformation. I've heard rumors. I've heard him talk a little bit that he's actually given his life to Christ, which is kind of cool, because uh, in loving color, it was the best. <laughs> you know, now I can sanctify it. Uh, two steps up in the circle. And uh, so... <laughs> But he said, it's interesting, he says, you're having these electronic cars now, and he goes, soon enough, they're going to take away the steering wheel. And once they take away the steering wheel, because these cars can now drive for you, they're now going to not allow you to go where you want to go. Can anybody say Chevy pickup rules? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, you, they'll elim eliminate those because fossil fuels will be too expensive, and you're, you're polluting the precious environment. They're going to find a way. That's their goal. That's their agenda. Because they're crazy. Carl Sagan, 
back in, uh, he couldn't have predicted 2023, but he did see it coming. And right in 1995, right before he died, just a couple months before he died, he wrote this. He says, I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time. When the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of very few, and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues, when the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority, when clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes our critical faculties in decline, unable to distinguish between what feels good and what's true, we slide almost in, without noticing back into superstition and darkness. So I say consider the following. Number one, the ongoing tension of trade between the United States and China, which have resulted in increased tariffs, disruptions to global supply chains, and very well may lead to actual real war. It's not a fantasy. There won't be a land invasion. Why? Too many guns. But there could be an actual war. There's other methods. Number two, the adoption of digital currencies by various countries, including China's, their rollout of the digital yuan last year, the European Central Bank's plan to launch a digital euro coming soon. And guess what? Slated for July. What is that? Just a, what month is this? Eight, May, almost? Almost May, June, July, three months from now. It's illegal. It's illegal. It has not been voted on. It has been forced upon. It is unconstitutional. It'll be interesting. I was encouraged, by the way, that even though I don't like Justice Roberts, I was encouraged. He was, he was called before the, uh, the Congress, and he said, no, separation of powers. I was like, yeah, right on. Keep it up. I don't like your politics, but I like how you maintain that separation of, pow separation of powers because he's not going to submit himself to another branch of the government because you are not our master. I don't like his politics, but I love his stance of what he just recently did. Number three, the establishment of a regional trade agreement such as the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, CPT, PP, <laughs> and the African Continental Free Trade Area, uh, that AFCFTA, and most recently, recently, as I already discussed, the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But let me highlight some of the digital currency for us this morning. There's several potential dangers associated with a government-controlled digital currency coming soon in July. In July. Do you guys really? In July. <laughs> Number one, loss of privacy. I already quoted to you earlier in the study at the beginning that we need a digital constitution because she saw what was coming but we don't have one, but they're gonna force it. But don't worry, after the effect, we'll, we'll write a constitution. Yeah, that's always worked marvelously. Happened. Give the people unabashed power and then have them come back and say, we're, now this is how we're gonna limit ourselves. Human nature, nah, doesn't happen. 
But number one, the loss of privacy. So a government-controlled digital currency could lead to a loss of privacy for individuals as it allows the government to monitor and to track all transactions, potentially leading to mass surveillance. And this, I think, will infringe upon people's right to privacy and create a chilling effect on freedom of speech, association, and expression. Without this submission to this system, Revelation 13, you will not be able to buy or sell anything. Number two, a centralized control. With a government-controlled digital currency, the government would have complete control over the currency, including its issuance, its distribution, and its value. And these same people that are proponents for this have said, actually, we'll put an expiration date on your money for disobediences and also economic stimulation. They would, this one woman said, I forgot to get the quotation, forgive me, but off of memory, she said, all of a sudden, we'll see the economy needs stimulating. So we're requiring you to spend 10% of your bank account. You don't have to, but if you don't spend it, you're going to lose it, which also means that you won't be able to save any money, which also means you'll perpetually be on the hook and dependence upon the centralized government. It's a massive step in this direction. AI has made it frightening. AI has allowed them to process all of this information. I told you last week about going through the airport, everything about you that fast. Now they don't have to have a person, they just have an artificial intelligence in a second, knowing everything about you and if there's any concerns about you. They put the algorithm in, you fail, you can't buy steak or whatever it is. Didn't they say, let's see, you'll eat bugs and weeds? That is literally the plan. Wow. You say, conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy when it's coming out of their own mouths. <laughs> and sometimes I think the liberal press, if they don't say it, it is a conspiracy theory in their mind. And as I joked that they're the all-seeing eye, we didn't report it, therefore it can't be true. High degree of dishonesty, Tucker Carlson. Exception. Number three, vulnerability to hacking and cyber attacks. A government-controlled digital currency would be vulnerable to hacking and cyber attacks, which could lead to loss of personal data and financial assets. They could also claim that you were hacked and you lost everything. <laughs> this could cause widespread financial harm and erode the public trust in a digital currency. You know, I liked it when you used to have your money in your safe. You controlled it. That's the way it should be. But they're saying, no, 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 no. All of your money belongs to us now, and we tell you how much you get to spend of your money. It is a hostile takeover of the United States. And people are so stressed out, they're just sitting back and saying, yeah, I don't want to deal with this. It's not going to go away. <laughs> it's not just going to magically go away. Number four. Economic instability. A government-controlled digital currency could lead to economic instability as the government would have complete control over the currency's value, potentially leading to inflation or deflation. And this could harm people's ability to save, to invest, to plan for the future. In fact, those are things now of the past. And it leads to a loss of financial stability. Number five and last, discrimination. A government-controlled digital currency could lead to uh, discriminate against certain individuals or groups based on their political views, not like any past president would 
like sick the IRS on certain people or anything like that. I mean, that would never happen here, of course, unless you're a nut job. I should say, clarify that, not a nut job. I think the, uh, the, the uh, Secret Service name for him was Renegade. Wow. They say it out loud. <laughs> but they could discriminate against people for their political views, religious views, other factors, and this could lead to the marginalization and persecution of certain individuals or groups. So creating a global economic system Even though it's the goal, I'm going to suggest to you it's a lot harder than you think. Because in order for this to ultimately come about, it would require a shift, a massive shift in how all the countries of the world approach economic policy, which is quite complicated. And there's bound to be some political and economic barriers that would need to be overcome. But there are organizations we're so happy for them, that are in place, like the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the United Nations, and of course, the World Economic Forum, that could help foster greater international cooperation and coordination. But overall, establishing a global economic system would take a lot of political will. Would you agree? It would take a lot of resources and time. And honestly, what I see is the technology is in place, but I don't think the people have the willpower to do this. But I do believe it's gonna happen. Contradiction, no. Because I don't think people want the system of control, I think the only way this is gonna be implemented is through fear or some kind of a disaster. It would have to be something like a global recession, a nuclear war, or global pandemic or scamdemic or whatever, real or imagined, doesn't matter, in order to convince the sovereign nations to implement such a unifying system. Now, if you could prove that a US president is in the pocket of a foreign enemy, like China, just completely random, which would be treasonous, and there's no one doing this, but I'm just, for, for argument's sake, and likewise prove that he is deliberately doing nothing to rescue the country while a foreign enemy like, I don't know, China, is deliberately undermining the dollar and the world currency, you might be able to prove a coordinated plan for the destruction of the most powerful nation on earth, which would create then the impetus for such a global economy. Talked about last week, America needs to go to war. They need to lose the war. We need to eliminate the Constitution because America stands in the way. What I'd suggest to you last week is that China is the tool to dismantle the power of America. The bourgeoisie have, for decades now, it's all about China, 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 China. They're doing it great, they're wonderful. Why? Because they become the model of the world that they want, but they're also the tool to dismantle the United States in their, in their think tanks. But I would suggest to you that the one world Order is the ultimate goal, not China. And the dismantler, once the dismantler, China, dismantles, what do you think the dismantler is now going to do? Simply go away? No. Would you know that the book of Revelation talks about the kings of the east 
actually going to war against the kings of the Antichrist? The Antichrist runs the one world order, but apparently he doesn't run at all. The kings of the East go to war with him, and this scenario fits perfectly for what we're looking at today. By the way, the House of Representatives recently passed to raise the debt ceiling. You know, I, I was, I've always been against raising the debt ceiling because it's just kicking the can down the road. Considering the situation we're in, you need to kick the can down the road. You need to. And they passed to raise the debt ceiling, which would save us from immediate crisis. As of today, Biden is refusing to sign it, which is very unlike his party in the past. But ultimately, I think he'll sign it. I think he will. But if he doesn't, there's going to be a public outcry. And we're going to know exactly because it's a fixable, it's a fix to the situation. Granted, for just a short period of time, but we need a short period of time before this thing gets, gets implemented. So the crisis we're facing is completely unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Think this through. It's deliberate. Two years ago, China and Russia are on the ropes. Two years ago. Two years ago, the United States is the most powerful economy in the world in the history of the United States. And within two years, they saw what a proper leader could do. And they had to destroy him. Scary, huh? Kind of, but not really. Some good headlines for you. Buenos Aires Times, Argentina's central bank sharply raises key rate to 91%. I'd like to get a house loan. <laughs> what's, your, what's, what's your rates going for? I tell you, I'd love to invest money, but I'm not so sure they would pay it back. But nonetheless, <laughs> I don't think you're going to be surprised at this picture, the Gallup right now. Do you think that economic conditions in the country are getting better or getting worse, is the question. April 2021, better, 47%, worse, 46%. February 23, better, 26%, worse, 68%. March 23, better, 23%, worse, 72%. April, better, 19%, worse, 75%. Looking at these situations, the World Economic Forum, who last week, I think we just talked about, their whole goal was that by 2030, everything is going to be implemented. 2030. They've stated their goals to implement those, 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 dynam those slides that we went through. But now, because of the situations in 2023, they're speeding up their timeline. Got to speed it up, guys. Got to speed it up. Now, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. People aren't that good. See, there's a guy behind the scenes and he's pulling all the strings and whoa. <laughs> there's too many complicated factors. People can't do that. But I believe in something that I've heard from an old commentary, an old book years ago, men lust, but devils tempt. Men are just simply following their lust. But there is a conspiracy theory, not among men. Revelation 13 says it's among the devils themselves. The whole idea of a demon means they're wise ones, they're wisdom. They know how to pull the strings. So men are just going after their lust. A carrot, a donkey following the carrot must go here. But that's all they're doing. There are some bad actors, 
There's some people that kind of organize things, but nobody can organize something this big. It's too brilliant. It's too big. And as I said, this summer, the Fed, the Federal Reserve is, is introducing their Fed now. No, we're fed up now. <laughs> the new currency that they're going to throw on us, and they're going to use the excuse, well, BRICS is doing this whole system. We've got to respond to it because our, our dollar is going to crash and everything else like that. Okay, you created the problem. Now you're going to solve it with a bigger problem. And I think while, the, while everyone is, has been fixated on Trump for the last year, you notice how they haven't reported on just a few things? And while everyone's fixated on Trump, the U.S. Federal Reserve has launched the FedNow system. Again, it's set to replace, replace the U.S. dollar with a central bank digital currency. So you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And according to the statements of the, their own statements, the Fed chair, he said, quote, our own FedNow service will be launched in 2023. We are exploring the potential benefits of a U.S. central bank digital currency and its potential to enhance the safety and efficiency of our domestic payment systems. The White House has published several papers and collaborated with various organizations, that's not a picture of the White House, by the way, but nonetheless, to determine the ideal characteristics of this currency, including its positive impact on the environment and its equitable nature. You'll all be equal. Unfortunately, as we've discussed, such a currency could also lead to a dystopian future where people are restricted in their movements and transactions due to the government control. China is the model. Now, truth be told, as much as I scared you, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. I think the people are going to reject it. Yet, if you want to force the system on the people, there's two ways in which the people are controlled. Number one, you must frighten the people. Number two, you must demoralize the people. The Christian is the last person on this living earth that should be frightened. You don't naturally live without fear. Remember those stickers? No fear. Wow, gosh, that guy's not afraid because he told us. The guy that's not afraid doesn't say no fear. I'm sorry if you have that sticker on your truck, but I'm just saying, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and it is a truck. There's no, no VWs that have that sticker. <laughs> Next to it is a guy peeing, you know, a little bait. <laughs> Pat, you've seen that sticker. But the only way that you actually bring this about, you have to frighten the people, you have to demoralize them. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I'm not afraid because you're not afraid. God, as soon as you become afraid, I'm terrified. The God who told me this is going to happen ahead of time. You see, these people are saying, don't talk about politics. When it happens, when it happens, they're going to be the first to crumble. But the people that educated themselves and said, this is exactly what the scripture said, they're going to say, wait a second here, God told me ahead of time this is going to happen, so therefore I'm not afraid because he's not afraid. There it is. I give you permission. As soon as the Lord Jesus Christ panics, you can freak yourself out. <laughs> you can run off a cliff and scream, the sky is falling, chicken little. I mean, you can do it all. But if that doesn't happen, we have no reason to be afraid. 
In fact, you begin to look at the whole situation differently. You say, the time is short. Let's make the most of the opportunity. And because I trust in my Lord who promised me that I'm not ordained unto his wrath. He has promised me this. Therefore, I can begin to walk the righteous or as bold as the lion. Not arrogant. That is driven by a fear that's presenting itself as security when in fact it's not. But confidence in a true and a living God. So you better get to know him. I mean, study this stuff, but you better remember who he is, because if you forget who he is or get trapped into a lifestyle of sin, all of us sin, right now is probably the worst time in human history to fall away from Jesus. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, man, I've sinned. This is how you deal with it. Jesus, I sinned. Please forgive me. It's not okay that I did that. I don't want to do that, but I do want to do that. Please, Lord Jesus, help me not to want to do that. Please forgive me, and then be a disciple of Jesus. It's real simple. It's real simple. But governments and central banks worldwide are attempting to utilize technology to create a centralized system where all transactions, whether online or in person, can be closely monitored and recorded by them. AI will allow them to process this in a minute. And while they claim this will lead to a more efficient and cost-effective transaction, it'll also be the basis and have the potential to eliminate national sovereignty and to bring in a one-world tyrannical government. I say tyrannical purposely because nobody absorbs that much power and then limits themselves. <laughs> nobody. You don't make that big of a power grab and say, but now we don't want to exercise that power on you. It will be tyranny. The very method by which they're implementing this is screaming tyranny is coming. The central bank digital currency, CBDC, they're closely tied to the digital IDs, which we'll talk about in the technological advancements next time. But these digital IDs allow the government to monitor, to control individuals' financial activities, if someone's deemed to be acting against the interests of the government, their account, as in China, their accounts can be shut down or their funds can be made to expire. You say, this hasn't happened. You ever heard of Canada? <laughs> Where donations to protesting truckers were frozen and then taken away. The Biden administration has also prioritized the development of cashless society from day one. You know, I think this whole thing's demonic, as I already suggested. And I think some type of spiritual suicide is happening across the world. It's like they're trying to depopulate the world through every violent means po possible, and it's all happening. Deliberate things are all happening at the same time. You know, the whole thing in the Ukraine can be solved that fast. The whole thing with the currencies can be solved that fast. How do you go from two years ago to now? It's deliberate. It's all taking place all at the same time. It's not chance. Now, I do think you're going to see a pushback against the U.S. doing a digital currency. You have Nome there being the first to veto her state. You have Florida, likewise, coming back and saying, we are not going to go to this digital economy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Idaho said, we're number three? But I think we might fall a little short. Well, they're actively doing this in Europe, but can you imagine what they'll do when the rich try to free, flee Europe with their money? By the way, it's already happening. You can see on the map, 
By the way, notice the nations in pink. Aren't those the brick nations? Hmm. I wonder if they're doing this out of strength or weakness. Hmm. Think differently. Don't think by fear. As soon as you think by fear, oh, they've got you. Think differently. Look at the map. Look where the money's coming to. It's coming to Switzerland, Canada, and the United States. <laughs> what happens when they further implement the digital currency? They're, the ones that are left are gone. They're gone. And it's going to happen overnight. It's going to happen overnight. You say, what about bricks? Well, I think it will be successful for a season. This is my opinion. But each of the countries have serious problems. The alliance is not an alliance of strength. It's an alliance of weakness. At some point, people are not going to want their currency. And people forget the strength of the U.S. dollar is not the U.S. dollar. The strength of the U.S. dollar is the economy of the country itself. <laughs> but each one of these BRICS nations has issues. India can't feed themselves, and they can't energize themselves. Russia isn't big enough to do anything. Don't believe the hype. China is one big, massive mirage. Their GDP is overstated by 30%. And most of their success is because of real estate. China can't feed itself. And China cannot produce enough energy. Brazil can do both, I'll grant you. But Brazil only has a trade surplus with China. Brazil has a trade deficit with the United States. So there's a huge amount of leverage, unless you have dishonest leaders, that have with Brazil. And I think people need to think a little bit higher. Perhaps another time I'll explore this, but you need to think, don't think de-dollarization, but think de-fiatization, which could be a good thing. Asking the question, which personal currency do you end up buying? But let it be autonomous. And as I, I think I suggested, I can't remember, the only silver lining is this, is that this administration will be exposed and hopefully will make people wake up from this. Trump recently said, by the way, has Trump ever said anything that he hasn't followed through on? Has he, anything he has said he could do, has he not been able? I think pretty good track record. I believe him on this one. Trump said that he could sign a peace deal with Russia in 24 hours. It would be done. I believe him. However, I think the global elites need the crisis. In the past, they created wars so that we can hide the problems with the currency. <laughs> so whole discussion in that. Whole discussion. Some, a lot of you guys know this better than I do. I, I, am, I am much less than probably half the room or more. Some of you guys know so much of this stuff that I feel embarrassed even saying it in front of you. But nonetheless, you could probably explain it better. But let me close, I think, with some hope. Our hope isn't Donald Trump, it's Jesus Christ. And I think being the case, I think we have to remember a few things. Number one, Jesus said these things were going to happen. I told you ahead of time, these were going to happen, so don't let your heart be afraid, don't be overcome. He said, don't let it. In other words, it's a choice. You can choose to freak out, or you can choose to build yourself up in the Lord and say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And that, that verse could be explored, expanded. There's so much to that verse. 
and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Jesus said these things were going to happen. So he said, do not let your hearts be overcome. I've overcome the world, number one. Number two, Jesus said, occupy until I come. In other words, man, it's so dark out there. Well, I'm going to let, don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. This is a great opportunity. The cave is getting darker, but guess what? That makes my little Bic lighter brighter. Don't underestimate salt and light. Don't underestimate just being there, just speaking, just praying. Jesus said these things were going to happen. He said, occupy until I come, number three. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, why is my mind going like chapter five? He says, I have not ordained you unto wrath. Some people get clever and they said, well, you know, he hasn't not to God's wrath, but Satan's wrath. And I say, wrath is wrath. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, don't worry. I'm not going to punch you in the face, but I'm going to let the devil do it. You know, it's like, no, I don't think so. He won't let the evil one touch me, according to 1 John. Right? And the only power the enemy of our souls has is when he gets us afraid and we do it to ourselves. We jump off the cliff. You don't have to jump off the cliff. We do it to ourselves. But last, he loves you. <laughs> we got this idea that he's up there in heaven, distant. I've got my little kids at home. And I look at them and I reaffirm my love for them every day. I tell them I love them constantly. We're very needy people. And reinforcing them a love for a father. Because... Some fathers aren't good. Some fathers misrepresent God. If that's you, you need to come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. And then go to your kids and say, forgive me. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the only option. We've all made mistakes. Don't, don't get me wrong. Everybody owes a serious apology to the firstborn. <laughs> I mean, I feel so bad for Laird. I mean, when he's, he, his parents already told me that what they're getting him for, for his 18th birthday. Are you 18? It's almost... You are 18. They already gave it to you then? They're giving him, they got him for his 18th birthday luggage. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I just like, man, I tell you, that's so unkind. But, uh, but, but you know, we, we learn from these things. Got to break the tension here at the expense of Laird. <laughs> I don't owe you $5. That's only to my own children. <laughs> well, good. Scooby-Doo, I hope. <laughs> But what good father promises you these things are not going to happen? He allows you to waste your life and then takes pleasure in punishing you and sitting by idly. Someone touched my kids. All bets are off. You're not acting very Christian. That's right. <laughs> I'm acting very fatherly, right? So the answer is just to come close to him. That's it. I want to get to know you. I want to walk with you. I'm going to learn of you and take your yoke upon me because a yoke from the world wants to be put on me, but your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so therefore I come to the one who, yes, it's a yoke, but he says it's easy, it's light. The devil comes and says, I'll give you a yoke. It's heavy. It's burdensome. You're weighed down. You're going to hate my life. Come to Jesus. I mean, really come to Jesus. 
I want to take your yoke. He's a good, good father. I think Tomlin sang in a great song. And so as opposed to becoming terrified and given to ruin, I think we can see the opportunity to share our faith and our knowledge of these things so as to save some. In an uncertain world, he's the only certainty that there is. And as the old song says, we can lean upon the everlasting arm. There it is. There's no limit to his strength. Remember that kid's song, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do? Whoa, that's, <laughs> you guys are on cue. We got two people in the room that clapped. <laughs> Husband and wife, good job, unity. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, Lord, I thank you for the patience of these people to listen. I pray, God, that as we go through these conditions that are going to be existing on the earth, that we would not become weird or paranoid or fearful or driven by a sense of doom, but God, we would be of all people on this earth, salt and light, confident, not confident in ourselves. If this was up to us, we're dead, but confident there is a great king. And I pray, God, for our loved ones that they would come to Jesus. <laughs> I pray for those that are in the room that they know they're in sin. They know they're living a lifestyle of sin. I've already told you how to deal with that. You need to come to him and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Cleanse me. Please wash me. Don't give me another chance. I've been asking you for years. Give me another chance and you keep failing. Stop being so stupid. Don't ask for another chance to prove that you're better than you are because you're not. You're corrupt. Finally agree with him that you're corrupt and say, Lord, don't give me another chance to prove to you I want to walk in your grace. Not the grace to live lasciviously, but the grace to, for God to give you power to be a different person. So, Lord, we ask for your grace. We pray for a covering on these people, that they would leave this morning strengthened and encouraged. We pray for your all power and glory and dominion forever and ever would only and ever be yours. This whole thing of the transgender thing, they're saying, they, call me they. You know what's behind that? It's demonic because there's only one they. It is the true and the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's, it's the spirit of the age deceiving mankind that you are God. Therefore, call yourself they. It's a lie from the pit of hell. But God, we're not affected by any of that. It's so obvious what's going on. But we love you. We thank you for your grace. We pray for our friends and loved ones that we would not become weird religious prigs, that we'd share the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heal our hearts and forgive our sins, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.